0: Hey folks, welcome back to How They Get Stuff Done, the podcast where I chat with people about their productivity habits, techniques, and workflows. Today I'm speaking with Jack Ellis. Jack is the co-founder of Fathom Analytics, a privacy-first Google Analytics alternative. Jack also teaches an online course on Laravel, a popular PHP framework, and hosts his own podcast Above Board, where he discusses running an indie and bootstrapped software company. Jack and I discuss how he runs his company, People First, the importance of online privacy and how his company enables that, lightweight ways of collaborating with a small team, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hey, Jack. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I always like to do a little background reading on my guests on the show, and I found an article on your website where you talked a little bit about your background as um, someone who runs a business. I guess at some point you were um, washing people's cars... For a couple pounds, is that is that right? Oh
1: wow, yeah, you've done some digging. That is definitely a, a thing from the past. Yeah, in my childhood, I did wash cars. That was my an entrepreneurial venture of mine.
0: A long, long time ago, and and I also saw that as a teenager, you did some software development work, which resonated with me because I did the same thing. But it sounds like you stuck with it, whereas I didn't. I do other things now, and you, from what I understand, still spent quite a bit of your time developing software. And I, I wanted to start there and just ask. What do you like about building software?
1: So I suppose i it's sort of normalized to me now, but I'll talk about what actually appealed to me when I was learning about it because now it's just everyday and normal. But mm. I love the fact that you could kind of do custom stuff. And I remember seeing a form on a website and you could change the department. You choose the department, right? And based on the department you chose, it would send to a different email address. And I'd stumbled onto HTML, accidentally, almost as a form of protest when I was a kid, because they said we had to pick a book, I didn't like reading, and so I picked a computer book, because I liked computers. So uh. I knew HTML. The, the the idea that you could change the email that form was going to blew my mind, and then I stepped from HTML, which most people can do, it's not programming, it's just markup, into yeah. actual programming, engineering, and that's when I went into PHP, and then from there on in, it was just, you know, constantly fascinated about what could be built, and you just you just get interested in it, don't you?
0: Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about the, sort of the app that I think is one of your main focuses right now. But before we get there, before you worked on Fathom Analytics, right, you were doing a bunch of consulting work. What, what sort of consulting work was that? Was that also development work?
1: Yeah, that's right. So I did a mixture of stuff. Um, predominantly, I was building uh, le- stuff in the legal sector, um, applications, applications. Uh, for legal clients was one of the things i did at one point i did like just ad hoc freelance stuff um, i'd also help people scale like build hyperscale things so i consult on the best way to build certain things and um all kinds of things really but it was all around php and so i i'm for the most part i had a, a kind of main client and then some additional clients but um yeah it was mostly around legal prior to that i did a few ex i think an expat website um it was a real mixture of things. Honestly, I can't even remember. that. We're going back a little bit now. But it was a real mixture of things. And a lot of the time I was doing, I was working with Drupal, which wasn't really something I wanted uh, to yeah, be working heard of with. Drupal. You've heard of Drupal, right? So it's a CMS, yeah, similar to WordPress, but not really. Don't come at me for that. Uh, it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. I liked writing the actual code. So I did a bunch of that as well. And then, uh, yeah, that's been my career, which I can't even remember. It's been a long time. I've been coding since I was probably 13. And I'm 29 now. So it's been a long time.
0: That's, uh, you get to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours for mastery.
1: uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way
0: I haven't. Yeah, you must have hit those. So at some point you were doing your consulting work and you said, you know what? Let me instead, or maybe on top initially, build this app, an analytics app for people's websites, if I'm describing it correctly. How did you decide to make that switch?
1: Yeah, so there's the background of, with that. So I met up with Paul Jarvis back in 2017, and we just clicked instantly. You know, we met for coffee, just clicked. And then we built some funny crypto proof of concept thing. This was before it was oh, called. Oh, boy, crypto. Some, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We built this fun little project, really enjoyed working with each other. And then we kind of stumbled into building something called Pico, which was uh, effectively... Similar to Substack, you, know, you, you wrote for your okay. audience, they would sponsor you, they'd cover your membership, and then some. And you'd make more than you would with Medium. And we had thousands of people sign up, um, in, you know, register their username, things like that. And Paul's a great designer. I mean, it was beautiful. And so we built it together. I, when we were doing that, I would have to take time away from consulting to work on these mm. things so I was paid hourly and so I remember thinking oh I'm actually going to you know thousands of pounds or whatever it, it was at the time I don't I don't remember I, I'd lose that money to work on this but it was this mental thing of oh I'm, I've got to make this investment else it's never going to take off yeah. and then what ended up happening Paul was working on a project with another um, founder and it was sort of starting to get a little bit of traction it was super low thousand like, low um, dollar revenue um and then the other founder left cuz he either didn't have time or it was mm-hmm. not making enough money to justify the time and so me and paul spoke and it was a case of do we just you know really go for this and try and take this to something substantial um or do we you know continue with pico and in the end ghost t- you know ghost the, the cms they took pico they've got pico now and they, they they did their own thing anyway so that's fantastic and then we moved into working on fathom and again you know I was I wasn't able to work full time hours I was doing um, like kind of, I'd say eighty-five percent of of client work, and then fifteen percent on Fathom, but it was very charged up. You know, you know those early days of startup; every every hour counts, and so you're really charged up working on it. And that's what happened. That's how it all started.
0: Those are very productive hours when you're very very motivated, and excited, and lots of shiny oh, objects, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and these days, Fathom Analytics is like quite a mature product, right? And and yeah. you must spend most of your time on it
1: yeah i always enjoy these talks actually because you sort of go back to the beginning and you think about how you're thinking and how it's all brand new will it take off and then now my day-to-day is literally we run this wildly successful company that i would never have expected and it's just normalized you know that hedonic adapt not hedonic adaption but that it becomes normalized to you yeah and yeah it's a it's a mature product it's industry leading um thousands of customers like hundreds of thousands of websites using it big names in including YouTube. mine
0: i just i just want to raise my hand here my website runs fathom not that i get a whole lot of visitors on my website but yeah <laughs>
1: i think i think i saw that because i took your course on things three and i think i saw you use fathom and i thought that's amazing yeah a lot more of that's happening where i'm out in the wild even outside of the kind of bubble we're in on twitter out in the wild people are actually using it um, which is amazing so yeah day to day i'm working on fathom and we're going through some you know interesting adaptions right now as the business grows, yeah, different priorities scaling the team which is something neither me and paul have ever wanted to do but it's it's sort of it's it's a really interesting space we're in because you have to scale the team in some way else you work too much you know you can't keep up with it for example support do you just stay a really small team like two people for example and not hire but then you're both doing support and then you're both missing out on other things so we're going through a really interesting stage of growth at the moment which i'm happy to talk about if you want
0: and and we will talk about that but i want to take Mm. a step back first because i want to talk a little bit more about how you transition from your consulting work into working either full-time or most of the time on fathom because i i do talk to people a lot of the time who have an interesting goal like a project they want to start that's not their full-time job you know or it it doesn't have to be a work project could really be anything and they're sort of stuck in this like I'm not sure if it's going to make a lot of money quickly. You know, Even a lot of people I talk to, because I've been focusing on a lot of YouTube recently, people are like, listen, I would also love to start putting some videos on YouTube. You know, And I only have time to make like one video a month. I'd like to do more of it. How do I do it? I feel uncomfortable quitting my full-time job. Um, hmm. So h- how did you frame that in your mind? How did you give yourself permission to spend less time doing the consulting work? And right now, from what I understand, no consulting work and spending more time on Fathom.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I've done both extremes with this. I, I don't know if they're necessarily extremes as such, but the first extreme, this definitely is an extreme. I In 2013, I did quit my job. Um, I had a bit of savings and I said, I'm going to work on this startup, get it to mar- uh, market, get thousands of customers paying me. And that's just how it's going to work. And so people that do that are quite often naive and they don't actually know what it takes to get a business off the ground and yeah. the reason that a lot of businesses fail is because anyone can start a business and that's not me being all gatekeeping about it because I've been there I've been the, the naive one not understanding what it actually takes to get especially software as a service info products are a different ball game you know info yeah. products well it's not the same as saas it's very we I've done both um but I was doing a saas and I was convinced that people were just going to jump on no personal brand no um no conversations with people outside of my my friend network and for some reason people were just going to appear and and, you know developers do that build that and they will come and so i spent a bunch of time on that Uh, never launched it would spend ages on things like design frameworks you know just just buy a theme but i would spend like a month getting this design perfect and that was when i identified things in myself like perfectionism um analysis paralysis these things that were holding me back i I identified well actually i identified them in hindsight which is (laughs) which is brilliant really helpful um but those things held me back back then and so moving forward to doing fathom i didn't i didn't go full-time on fathom until i literally couldn't do both of them and i remember i was said to my client you know i'm gonna be here because i said to them i'm gonna have to stop probably in you know Three to four months, maybe, because I knew Fathom was taking off. I knew where this was going. I didn't. It sounds cocky to say I knew, but I, I had a very strong gut feeling where this was going. Paul felt the same way. Paul's built businesses before. Everything was pointing up. And, it felt uh, right. If yeah, exactly. And there are there are reasons that led to that feeling. Right, it isn't just 100 percent emotional. There are things that are factored into that feeling. Um, so I got to the point where a, I think a customer went viral and. At the time, our database was not ready for this. This was in 2020, I want to say. Database was not ready for it. And I spent all day just working out what was going on. And it turned out, for for the nerds that are listening, it was RDS IOPS, which is you know the amount of um, input-output you can have in your database, basically. But I'd spent the whole day doing that. And I sort of got to the point where I thought, I can't do stuff like this, putting out fires and building it and do client work. It's right. just not sustainable. And I wanted to do both because I, like, I enjoyed the money coming in from the client work. I love the client work. I worked with some amazing people. And I didn't really necessarily want to leave that. Um, obviously, eventually, you know, Fathom had grown. So yeah, I, I was forced. My hand was forced. Uh, so I left.
0: I see. So it wasn't so much an emotional decision as a practical one. I need to do this because otherwise Fathom will not function.
1: Yes. And I think that's, uh, it's tricky to give prescriptions on this. I think that's a better way to do it because then you're guaranteed to have this work that needs to be done and this revenue that's coming in versus, oh, I'm going to quit and then hopefully I'll build my business. I've seen someone on Twitter doing this and I always feel bad for them because I've been in that position. You're looking to try and build a product, find product market fit and get to a revenue, uh, an amount of revenue that's enough to replace some of your income. And then you dip into your savings and then you run out of savings. Like, I ran out of savings. I think I got to I was living at home, so that was a, a privilege there for sure. But I ran out of money, you know, and I had to do some freelancing. So yeah. don't, don't do that. I, I really don't <laughs> like that approach. I used to be in that headspace of, you know, all or nothing. So like, well, maybe don't do that. Maybe manage your risk a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I understand. And so these days, how many people have you got working on Fathom?
1: Oh, uh, I, I want to say it's like six or s- No, it keeps going up. It's, it's under 10. I'll tell you that. There you go, under, under 10. 10. Okay. Yeah, so above two growing. and under 10. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be eight, but I don't. I honestly don't remember. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I think it's around eight people.
0: Okay. So how have you gone about adding people? And I'm particularly interested in how do you divide work and how do you communicate about work? Because it's one thing if you're working by yourself on a project, right? Um In terms of keeping track of what needs doing, um, outstanding issues, all those kinds of things. How have you translated that into bringing other people onto the team? Do you have, for example, informal Zoom chats or whatever? Do you have a very formal software that you work with? What's the deal there?
1: Yeah, so firstly, we're very mindful about the type of role we're bringing on. So for example, imagine we need help with SEO. Um, do we need help full-time or do we just need that retainer, that consulting hmm. relationship? So, for example, SEO isn't a full-time position for us because um, we don't need it right now, but we just have a, a part-time there. But with development, for example, then we we get um, huge development bottlenecks because it, it was just me. So we hired another developer. And then it's a case of, oh, well, hold on a minute. what's my, uh, How can I best spend my time? Is my time best spent on development? Or is it best spent on doing support tickets? And it's like, well, it then becomes clearer and clearer. saying like enterprise sales, that sort of thing. So that's the first thing is we, we're very mindful about what needs to be delegated full-time or part-time um, in the business. The day-to-day really, we have a signal group and it's the Fathom Water Cooler, And we all just, we talk in there. And then for if I'm working with our developer, I'll go on to 2Pool and we'll screen share and then Paul will be involved if there's stuff that, that he's working on. And uh, we do everything over Linear as well, which is a project. I think I mentioned that to you in email. Um, project management. Yeah, but it feels like it's it's for software more so. So we use Linear because of the like tickets and and everything else. And so that's pretty much it. There's nothing special about what we do. I one of the things I'm obsessed with though is checking in with how people are. Um, everyone's been in jobs where I think of my early, early, early jobs where it's just, you don't feel that great about the job. Or you feel like something's missing. I don't really know. And no one really checks in on you. And so I'm kind of obsessed about that. So my like, number one priority is making sure every month or so, like, are you still having fun? Is, is everything still good? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm a person where um, I want to hear criticism. If you're not enjoying something, I want you to tell me there's no backlash. I'm here to work with you for you to because it's people first. You are a person working at our company. You're not a cog in a machine. So your mental health is basically number one over everything else. Like you need, our, I think our time off policy is literally if you if you need time off, take it. There's like a minimum. right? Like we have a minimum. But if you need time off, I'm not checking when you take time off. Just let us know if you're going to be away for a period of time. But if you need to recharge, you're a human, and we we don't work with people that will abuse that. Like that's, the, that's the sweet spot, because a lot of people say, oh, mm. you have unlimited vacation. It's like, with approval by a manager. It's like, okay then. That's not really. Um, with ours, it's literally the person comes first. Get your work done. You can do whatever you want. Like very free. And um, I got this from Paul. And Paul's always said he'll, he will pay a, like a premium to, to work with the people that were self-managed, the top performers. And I think we're similar with employment we work with people that can self-manage that will ask for help that will give ideas that will be brutally honest we value those people we don't just want a cog we want people that can can perform and communicate when things aren't working when they feel run down that kind of thing
0: so yeah this sounds like a really healthy philosophy um i can imagine from the point of view of someone looking for a job you know looking at a, a company where the job is described this way can be really appealing. So how do you hire people then? Do you get lots of applicants or do you sort of know people that you approach and once you tell them you have unlimited time off, how do you how do you go about yeah. identifying who is the person who will not okay. abuse this?
1: Yeah, so I am not the I'm not the hiring expert, but I can say yeah. I posted on Twitter that we're hiring developers, and that's something that's still sort of up in the air. I got so many CVs, but it's tricky because I have a yeah. developer audience, right? And so I got I was completely overwhelmed. And so the way I'll tell you my reaction to some of them: the people that wrote me a custom message that knew about Fathom, that had interacted with me before, perhaps they were a customer, perhaps they liked the mission, um, and I gave a little bit of background on them. Those people, I thought, oh, this I per- I want to talk to this person. Yeah. The people that sent me a generic cover letter or said, you know, I really want to work at Phantom. They spelt Fathom. Oh, like nice. <laughs> yeah. So instant, instant no. So I like people with personality. I like people that are good communicators, good written communicators, because we do a lot of async work, right? Um, yeah. Because you can get that from the get go, and usually at yep. like that starting point, because I I do feel that if someone could communicate. Like if me and you had an issue, it, you can communicate, I can communicate, we could talk it out and work it out. I, I value that that level of self awareness and communication, so I look for those things. I, it's funny, I would rather hire, and this isn't this is no reflection on a developer, uh, you know, <laughs> on our team, but I I'm just making clear that I would rather hire someone who is a great person and perhaps like eighty percent level developer. If I don't know how you quantify that, but sure. to me it's all about personality, it's all about. Yeah just attitude and some people are some developers are assholes i mean if you go on hacker news they're absolutely horrendous <laughs> horrendous um and so i want the people that are nice and great to work with and i'm really kind of clued in on that and if i talk to someone i can usually get a vibe so that's how we do the hiring uh, with people like oh we just hired someone full-time customer success um he he's a listener of our podcast he emailed our support he said he heard you were struggling with support um you know i'd love to get involved he spoke with paul got on with him great i spoke with him great vibes really nice person and uh, similar like similar values you're never going to have a complete value match with people we can talk about things you know me and you might have a 50 percent. who knows but um i care that they're good they're good to people and that they're a good person you know so
0: it sounds to me like a theme in your company is ethics because the the way that you are describing that you deal with people, yeah, and and also uh, for people who don't know much about Fathom Analytics, the whole point of it is that is a very privacy-focused analytics tool, right? Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that, and, and then answer my next question. So I'm kind of interested in whether focusing on ethics ever runs gets you into trouble. Whether whether you can sort of be too nice, you know, like it could be it could be something like we're giving those unlimited vacation days, people abuse it. could also be something like, you know, maybe you are too generous with refunds or something like that. So I'm kind of interested in, in, in whether that has caused any problems. But may, maybe first tell people a little bit about the privacy aspect of Fathom because I find that interesting. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I, I want to know how many people visit my website and what they do on my website. I'm going to use Google Analytics. But of course, you guys are, you know,
1: very anti-Google Analytics. Yeah, so I'll answer the question about the can you be too nice quickly. Um, okay. We talked about that with Paul the other day. If someone's abusing vacation, like we're using the word abuse, so they're they're mm. taking the piss out of us, basically. Are they getting their work done?
0: Mm. If the
1: answer's no. Then there's a there's a conflict. That's not going to stay. The whole thing is you need to get your work done. Um, but if uh, if they're getting their work done and they're taking time off because they need to recharge and like, they're feeling a bit burned out. Uh, reasonable people know what reasonable looks like Um, yeah like the 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 time off isn't just i'm going to take six months off work like you still have to get your work done but if someone's you know we've all been there we've been burned out from a bit of work i need to just decompress that's where it's reasonable so yeah if people abuse it we'll we'll see they're abusing it and then there's a conversation to be had but then it's all transparent people people don't like At bigger scale, I think you see more abuse. When it's a small Mm. company and you kind of know the person, you're communicating with them regularly, you're checking in with them, you don't get that abuse. Like, I can't even imagine that happening with the size the company is, you know. It's just not, yeah. But as you get bigger, I don't know. We've got a kind of mental cap on where we'd go in terms of size of the company. And it's sort of, it's before ConvertKit's level, but it's, you know, it's up there how okay, does that so, work
0: though like if your company gets more if more, you get more and more users at some point don't you need to start hiring more people
1: <laughs> oh dear i don't know i have to say i don't know how it's going to look yeah like, right. we don't run, want neither of us want to run a huge company and i don't know if at that point we bring in a coo but then how do you maintain the ethics I don't have the answers for you here we're still very much a work in progress but we are you know we'll see what happens you know you'll, you'll watch and you'll see what happens
0: Yeah. But so, you know, this gets me back to what Fathom actually is. It's Mm -hmm. an alternative to Google Analytics. I guess when you guys started, you said you had like somewhere in the low couple of thousands monthly revenue, but you guys are a lot bigger right now. Um, are you able to still feel like you can make decisions? Say, "I I want my privacy app to be like this, you know, and are you able to respond to customer requests quickly? Um, you know and 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 tell just tell me a little bit about what is it like to actually be like the premier alternative now to Google Analytics i, I think it's a fair way to say it right
1: oh i love that that's a good testimonial yeah we're still able like, the things that are changing the big things that are changing are we're getting emails from you know, multi billion dollar companies that want to spend mm hundreds of thousands of dollars with us on a plan and we're having to kind of adapt to that and then also work out what we want to do. Like do we want to spend however long doing SOC2 compliance or would we prefer to just say stay small and diversified? There is room for enterprise, but if it's going to compromise our day-to-day lives, we're very much a lifestyle business. So we very much mm. think about what we want to be doing. We're not in business to try and get this big cash out or unicorn. We're not that's not what we're about. We're about sustainability. And so if if we mentally aren't sustainable because we're grinding out on SOC 2 compliance or ISO and we don't want to be doing that and it's stressful that's not sustainable and that's not a lifestyle business Um, yeah so people really with the whole Google Analytics thing people got sick of sending data to big tech we got sick of it and then more and more stuff came out um, about what big tech was actually doing with that data about Google discriminating against various people and like it just doesn't feel good to be sending an advertising company visitor browsing data like that's mm. is gross you're basically following them around the web and so where fathom comes in is we anonymize those users you're not seeing i'm not seeing that peter or or this ip address in um amsterdam is going here 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 and here we're not profiling you like google would we don't even keep your ip address and we intentionally work to kind of skew the data so when we hash up a user signature, we factor in, and this is for the nerds again, because I'm sure you've got some nerd listeners, we factor in the site ID as part of like, a sort. And so like, we intentionally, we don't want to know that this person visits multiple sites. We're obsessed with that. If we can hmm. see that an anonymous person in Amsterdam visited a few pages of one website, that's contained to that one website. What I don't want to do is build up a profile of you as you are browsing around the web, because that's your privacy. Like, why should I profile that? Because I want to sell you adverts, because I want to learn more about what markets are emerging and blah blah blah? Like, that's gross, and so people are now they don't like that. And website owners have also got their customers that are demanding better of them. It's now a it does not look good if I'm using Brave and I can see that you've tried to track me using Google Analytics, that looks bad on the website owner. So there's a whole thing going on right now where the consumers are actually demanding change and it's not just the radicals either it used to be just the radicals like d- 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 tracking me now we've got more mainstream understanding of it all we're having people in the mainstream saying i don't like that you're sending my data to google and I, hilariously there's no politics to this every like people care about their privacy yeah and uh and, and they should have privacy so um yeah and and with the gdpr and things like that we're a gdpr compliant alternative like google analytics i've written about this they're they're getting enforced against in the eu right now and i wrote an article titled google analytics is illegal and it's it's, i I basically wrote why that is and so with that happening fathom becomes the obvious alternative and that's a separate thing even even without the privacy law we would still be doing the same stuff because it's a fundamental belief the privacy law is sort of a thing on top where people have to comply and, and that sort of thing but uh, my personal thing is we we comply with the privacy law, but that's not my core drive. My core drive is taking data away from an advertising company that has got a, a history of privacy scandals. That's my core drive of this.
0: Yeah, I find it very interesting because you know I have a website. I don't do that much with it. I, I used to blog more than than I do now. I sort of just send a weekly newsletter, which is basically an article, and I sometimes post it on my website. So I'm not as into it now. But I remember spending a lot of time evaluating. Analytics apps for my website because I had the same feeling where I went to my own website and my browser was like, yo, you're being tracked. And I was like, this doesn't (laughs) look nice. This doesn't look good. And it doesn't look good for other people visiting my website. Um, Hmm. But I still think that most people if you ask them do you you know do you want to be private i think they'll say yes but i i feel like for the average person on the street there's a bit of a disconnect i think you mentioned the gdpr I, I, you know i think a lot of people see those cookie banners right and I, th- I think that's one way in which people now are thinking a little bit more about privacy because if if you're you know in the us maybe you've never Notice this, but if you come to Europe and you go to some websites, the very first thing you'll see the first time oh, you go on yeah. a website is like, can we place a bunch of cookies on your computer and just track everything that, that you do? And then you click yes or no. Um, I think a lot of people just try to get rid of it, just press the X as quickly as possible. That, that's, that's my guess. Um, but it's, it's but, more in people's I- minds.
1: And that is, like, that's disturbing because people don't understand this. And a lot of the time, the banners aren't informative. They annoy people. So, like, Fathom, we don't use cookies. There's no cookie banner for Fathom. That's a huge selling point. Like, people get this fatigue from these cookie banners as well. And another thing, people on the street don't know about their privacy and how it's being invaded. and Even the incognito thing and not understanding that. If the average person, like, your audience knows this, but if... um. If i'm in a regular browsing tab and I, I hit google servers they've got my ip and stuff if i hit an in incognito they get my ip again and then google can see that that ip is doing this stuff like, i don't like that i think that we need to have that privacy and we need to protect those people that don't understand it oh but you can use an ad blocker okay that's great that's great for us who who understand it but i don't know like my nan wouldn't have understood ad blockers i don't know if my mum my didn't use an ad blocker to my knowledge like, there are all these things and so yeah, ad blockers, there's a whole topic on ad blockers that I'm not going to get into. Um, but we need to protect the people that don't understand it as well, not just the tech experts.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the nice things is you just mentioned you're already developing in this direction. And if you know, law, for example, EU law pushes other companies that are your competitors to you know, go more in your, your direction of analytics, that's just a, a boon to you, right? Um, you're doing the right thing. Anyway, what I wanted to ask you a little bit more about is something that that you said earlier, because now now we load a little bit about what your company does, and and you've got sort of somewhere between five and ten ish people working <laughs> in various capacities right. yeah um, and, and you said, yeah, we just have a signal chat, and we kind of we got talk there um." I imagine for a lot of people, if you don't know what Signal is, it's just a messaging app, kind of like WhatsApp or something. Um, I use Signal as well. I like it a lot, actually. Very privacy-focused also. Um, But that sounds very unstructured. That sounds like a very unstructured way to do work. Um, Is there no place where you go and say, okay, this week I am focused on this, you, other person, are focused on that, where you can kind of see what everybody else is up to?
1: No, that's a good question. I didn't. I just said linear for software. I never expanded on that. So linear, mm. we do have a roadmap and we do have a rough plan and then we have it broken down into teams. So like SEO is in one section, developments in the other. So we do have it structured in that way. Um, no, I guess it, it's funny. So... Yes, this has been a thing, like an unstructured thing, and people working in different directions, like especially in development, which is just there's only two of us, but we're working different directions. He's built Google Analytics Import, and that's now ready, but I've got to get my head away from this into that and that sort of thing. We have started doing a weekly meeting every Monday uh, for the product team. And so anyone involved in product, we all catch up. For SEO, mm-hmm. uh, Paul manages SEO, and it's usually just working on one piece at a time it kind of gets approved but again people go off and do their work we don't work with people that need hand holding Um, we work with people that value autonomy that want to structure their life the way that they want to structure it yeah Um, like you know if they want to work in the evening because they want to look after their kids in the day like just go and just get the work done so there are points where we communicate what work needs to be done but if someone hasn't got any work they would soon say oh we need some what's next And at that point, we then plan it in. So I suppose, yeah, it is unstructured. There isn't a kind of formal, I don't like too much structure. I don't think that it's tricky. Some people, it can help. But if they want that, they can get the structure. Our job is to uh, unblock people, uh, to kind of help with direction and assign the work. Outside of that, I'm not going to micromanage how they do it. We're here to give feedback and to support them. But we're certainly not going to structure them in any way. So, yeah, we do have these check-in points, I suppose, these kind of planning points. So we do have that piece of structure. But outside of that, we do believe in full autonomy. Absolutely.
0: And I think that's partially also a, a factor of the size of the company, right? You can imagine if your company had 100 people, even if they're not all employees, but half of them are contractors, you, know, you, get, into, you get into this point, I think, where, where an unstructured way or even a weekly meeting might not be enough.
1: Completely agree. And so I am talking specifically to small businesses Hmm. like ours, big in terms of revenue, but small in terms of team size. I cannot comment on how that scales and I don't know if we'll ever get I don't we don't want like it's tricky it's tricky to say this how do you artificially limit your scale if you don't want to go beyond a certain size I don't have the answers but we are very very mindful it took us so long to hire on support even though we knew we should have done it a while back because we're so conscious of not expanding the team too much because then before you know it it would then soon be mine mine and Paul's job would be to just manage people which isn't something we want which again ties into that autonomous we hire people who are uh, just going to look after themselves and do their work we're going to support them, make sure they're happy, make sure they're challenged and everything else. Um, but we're certainly not going to be in a position. Where, you know, those managers in the offices that just like, can I get an update on blah, blah, blah. And it's just their job is just to talk a bunch and talk to their boss <laughs> and then manage. I never want to be that. Paul wants to design, wants to write content. I want to code and write content. And so... Why would we got to be careful about not getting ourselves into a position that we never wanted wanted to be in? Again, this is a lifestyle business, and it's very sustainable. Um, It's doing fantastic, but the lifestyle of the people that work on the product come first. Doesn't mean it has to be a detriment to our customers. Absolutely, it doesn't. You actually get better customer service by people being happy with their jobs. but yeah, people's lives... Like that's And that's such a nice thing to be able to do. We can pro- we can give people jobs where they can have the flexibility. Like, uh, example, their kid doesn't... They can spend time with their kids. Like, things like that. It just feels good to be able to offer that. And we have that benefit as well. So... And, and, and it's not this big... Like, yes, there's competition, but this isn't a, a zero-sum game where there can't be multiple winners, right? And so we're very aware of that. So, yeah, lifestyle business it used to be a, a kind of rude insult derogatory term not derogatory but you know a rude term oh it's a oh you're just a lifestyle business like yeah we're a lifestyle business so what i mean yeah you've only got one life
0: i i love the term lifestyle business to be honest because that's that's what i do that's Um, exactly what you do yeah yeah and it's funny because so often i talk to people who have big problems in their life you know they're like i want to spend more time with my kids um, or I used to play a lot of tennis, but I barely have the time for it now. I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? Yeah, I work as a, as a lawyer at, at, like, a fancy <laughs> law firm, you know, or, like, as a, as a consultant or something. I'm like, your problem is you chose work where that is not possible because as I'm mm. listening to you, right, in... In the software as a service space, you have a small business, you can work whatever way you like. Users don't care as long as the product is good, right? They don't care what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe they appreciate that you're sort of like nice people in some way. But I think for most people, it's like, is the product good? Whereas if I talk to people who are lawyers, consultants, et cetera, there's very specific ways that people in those industries work. For example, there's hourly billing. Cannot get away from hourly billing. People will refuse oh, to not not pay you hourly, yes, right? That's one thing. That's um, right. I th- yeah, I think people try. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine has um, just started this sort of uh, accounting practice of his own in, in, in the US. And I talk to him about this sometimes. He's like, I just really don't think they would go for it, you know, like any of his clients. Okay,
1: so I will tell you, it's an interesting topic. Our lawyers we use in Canada do value-based pricing.
0: And so oh, really? we pay a
1: fixed price. Yeah, I think they're, they're still hourly and I'm sure they're still hourly in there. And our accountants, we also do a value-based price. It's a fixed ah. price, it's not hourly. It can work, but... It's very, very hard. You just said about the concern that person had, like they wouldn't go for it. I, compl- yeah. I feel that. A lot of people would not go for it. Everyone's used to hourly, aren't they? And yeah, if you're in that realm, then you can't detach your time from money. But to be fair, I mean, lawyers make a good amount per hour at least. So well, yeah. They can work <laughs> less hours, right?
0: But I think- in theory. It- you know for those people who are like i don't get to spend enough time with my kids i can't play tennis i do think sometimes the answer is literally you're in the wrong industry you chose the wrong industry you know as i I also talk to people who are doctors and i'm like i I just i I never have enough time for my patients i'm always this or that and i'm like you know it doesn't feel good and i'm like unfortunately you chose an industry where that is generally how it goes maybe you can carve out a niche for you in that industry where you can have a more pleasant lifestyle but maybe the answer is not because this is sort of why they talk to me is often like, what app can I use, Peter, to become more efficient? <laughs> the, the, the thing is, no yeah, app yeah. is going to solve these problems for you because you have a fundamental issue with the kind of work that you're doing. Um, right. and, and and so, you know, I think for for many people... They, they sort of think of work-life balance. I always find that a really weird way of thinking about things because to me, you have one life and, and part of your life, you're doing things for money. We call it work, but that has an enormous impact on your lifestyle. So if mm. the business is not allowing you to have the lifestyle that you like or, or your work is not, um, better
1: get on that. <laughs> No, for sure. I mean, software can help. I mean, I, I've you did a video on Apple Notes and you showed how to scan receipts in and you could search those. That was life-changing for me. I mean, oh, really? healthcare <laughs> expenses, like, you know, massage therapy or whatever it may mm. be. I've now set it up. Even my wife's doing it. She'll scan it in and it will sync through because I do the claim stuff. Like, huh. that's like, and, and, you know, even using Things 3. Things 3 now has all my personal things. Like I followed your course. All of my personal things to keep track of. So we're talking about my work stuff. Like, Personal, personal life. I used to used to drop the ball all the time. So things three has solved that for me. Um, I will say. So there's a plug for your course that I am. Well, well, of, well thanks. Way, I so am thank
0: very happy to hear that. But so you yeah. don't use things for work then?
1: I, I like, okay. This is. I'm, glad, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I don't see a way. So we can have tasks, right? They get broken into multiple tasks. They can have attachments. They can have comments. They can have um, like synced with GitHub. Where, uh, the pull request on GitHub, for example, where you've got to review the code. I don't see how we can sync that with things. And I think you had the idea of, oh, just sort of high level in things, talk about what you're going to do. And I think that's great. So that's what I started doing. Um, I've got to go back to an enterprise customer like that can go in things. Um, yeah. Kind of just staying aware of what you've got to do outside of that kind of quite packed linear, that software. So having a high level overview is very helpful. But I don't see a way of using things for... All the details with my work and i think that's fine with, with fathom work and i think that's fine
0: yeah that's, that's exactly right this is a question i actually get quite often you know maybe i should do a video about this every time but i uh, I, th- I hear about something now, I i feel like i should do a video on this <laughs> um yeah. but it is completely true that for certain types of work you have to really track lots of details and this could be if you're a software developer something like your issues you know um bugs that need to get fixed, those kind of things. But I also hear from people who are like, hey, listen, I need a CRM, customer relationship management software. I need to keep track of like 300 contacts that I speak with every now and then. How can I do this in my personal task manager like things? And I'm like, don't, don't, don't even try because it's not designed for this. And people are like, yes, but I want it to be the one place where I have all the information. And I was like, I understand this desire, but don't do it because- I'm a big fan of using tools in the way that they are designed for the purpose that they are designed for. I think it's the safest thing to do in the long term. It allows you to to use a tool and feel comfortable using it and not forcing anything. Um, It means it's not going to break on you if you try to use a tool in a way that's not meant that 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 particular use case may break at some point in the future because the developers don't keep it in mind. And so... Mm -hmm. It's exactly what you're saying. It's like use a different software to keep track of the detailed, what are all the issues we have, you know. Um, but at a high level in your personal task manager, I recommend everybody use a personal task manager unless m- maybe you are like very rich person and you have like secretaries for everything or something, you're like oh, personal assistants, good. whatever. Maybe not then, um, you know, so but basically dream. everybody um keep keep track of those things and this is just like you're saying like get back to enterprise customer x and then you can have your notes on that somewhere else maybe you can link to the notes or if if there are a bunch of things that you need to do you need you know a bunch of things that you need to resolve for that you can keep those things that you need to resolve somewhere else especially if you need to work together with someone else to resolve those things before you get back to this person so not everything has to go in one place but i do think there has to be a representation of everything inside your task manager in your case things three um at a high level to to remind yourself hey this is something i need to work on
1: yeah my brain becomes so full of work stuff that i will forget personal things so my wife's got Mm. a great memory she'll remember stuff often without writing it down if i don't write something down i'm and this is and maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy but it's based on observation i will a hundred percent forget it because i'm always not like outside of work it's different but then i'm still i'm thinking like time with my kid i'm not thinking about stuff um, so I have to write it down. So, for example, if my wife this morning said to me, "Oh, could you grab some um, vanilla syrup off of Amazon?" Yeah, I would a hundred percent forget, like guaranteed, unless I wrote it down. And uh, so, so now I know that I I, <laughs> I write it down in things, and so I have things like uh, like I've oh that's it. I've got to renew my car insurance. I'd already it's literally on my desk in front of me. That was not in my awareness and I may have forgotten it and actually looking at it yeah it's got to be done in the next four days but things has popped up and said hey you got to do this and yeah, I think having to that system yeah, in yeah. place exactly and having that system in place just really helps me kind of let go and, um, <clears throat> and you focus on my work with Linear but then also know that things has got my it's got the kind of entry level into my work stuff and it's got like comprehensive stuff that helps me manage my life outside of outside of my software development um work so yeah yeah i'm a big fan of things yeah no great it it, one one
0: of the things that i struggle with is sometimes convincing sort of people who are not developers to use an app like this because i think the more of a developer background you have or maybe an engineering background i think people are used to thinking about like hierarchies of data and like how to represent <laughs> things and stuff whereas if i talk to like a r- random person on the street they'd be like what do you mean how does this app work i actually yeah. like working with people like that the most cuz they have the most to gain you know they have the most to learn from using using a, a task manager like things 3 but even like you're saying you can have the most developer brain in the world um it's hard it's hard to remember everything i have the the same thing obviously i spend a lot of time thinking about how to stay organized be productive remember all my things but i write stuff down inside things all the time um and sometimes sometimes someone asks me to do something i'll be like yeah yeah yeah. and then they keep talking to me like one sec one sec let me write this down (laughs) because i I like i you know i want to actually do this if i say i'm going to do it um okay so another thing that that i really wanted to ask you about is you work remotely right your whole company is remote am i right in thinking that
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Was that a conscious decision to work remotely, or did that just sort of happen?
1: Oh, um, that's how we've worked. I've worked like that for years. Paul's worked like that for, it's, I don't know. He's old now. He's a long, long time. Basically, <laughs> it wasn't even something that was discussed. It was just, oh, that's how that's how it works. In the same way that I was always going to build it in PHP because that's what I use. Uh, you know, I use Laravel to build the, the, the server side of Fathom. That's just ha- yeah, it's it's non-negotiable I guess. It's a starting point.
0: I see. And does that generate any challenges for you working remotely? Do you feel like no. maybe oh you don't know this new person as well? Um does it is it more difficult sometimes to explain something to someone remotely or have ah, you okay. worked your way that's around that? Question.
1: No, that's a great question. Um, when you're sticking to just text-based communication, you can run into times where you just think, oh, I wish I could just spend 10 minutes on a call with this person. I get it all all um, explained to them. We jump on Tuple and Tuple is a... Uh, remote, it's a pair programming app, but we use mm. it to show our screens to walk things through. Um, and you can you can do video if you want to, but we just do audio for the most part, and then we share our screens. That's how we get past things. So, if me and Paul, for example, Fathom, the Fathom dashboard is getting a huge upgrade right now. And so, the, the way me and Paul do it is we discuss on Tuple, we, we argue, we go back and forth, do all this stuff. Then he'll go off and write some stuff, and I'll go off and do whatever else. And then, if we'll talk it through on the comments asynchronously. Um, especially when i was in the uk it was easier to do it that way but if there's ever a point where we aren't like the other person's just not getting it we'll jump on tuple and so that isn't the primary thing we jump to but when we know it's going to be easier to talk to someone we'll jump on tuple so no being remote never gets in the way
0: and what benefits do you experience being remote i'm interested in hearing about those as well
1: I guess I haven't thought about it at time It's just so natural th- I, to you now. <laughs> honestly, it is. The only thing that I miss from being in an office is that sort of, you know, you're hanging out and you're with people, and you can go for lunch with them and you can uh, but then we we do talk. We still yes, we're not hanging out in in, in uh, physically, but we still talk. And I'll probably see I'll see Paul probably in I don't know maybe, like maybe December. I don't know, it's just that's just how life is. That's how life is going. It's not a new thing. Um I can build a commun- I can build a relationship with someone just by typing. Like I've got friends that I've never spoken to over the phone. I know maybe once or twice over like a Zoom call, but we'd still had a relationship beforehand just by typing. Um, I feel like when you grow up with the internet, that isn't an uncommon thing. You grew up on forums. You might have online friends from various games you have you know, that sort of thing. I used to play RuneScape was a game I used to play and uh, Habo Hotel, these things. And you were used to making friends online. So when you're transitioning as my generation into this, there's no, there's no limitation. It just feels normal. And then you can go and hang out with them and you can meet them at times. And then maybe that's something we'll do. Maybe there's retreats in the future that we do. We'll have to see what everyone thinks about that. I don't know. I've got no opinion on that yet. But um, no, there's, so it's tricky to say benefits and, and the, the downsides because it's just it's just normal. how it is. It just is. Yeah. I guess I'd say what's the what's the upside to working in person? People say, Oh, you can easily talk better. Maybe there's camaraderie. I I don't know. I don't Yeah, it's just I haven't really got a good answer for you. It's just well, this it's is, just what it, what it is.
0: Yeah, this is one of the reasons that I asked you is precisely because I was curious to see whether you experience this experience, this uh, camaraderie point, because that that's something that for me, as someone who creates courses, you know, makes video courses and who makes YouTube videos, that's pretty much my work recently. Um, sometimes when I tell people about this, like I was at the physical therapist this morning, and, and sometimes I, I talk to him, and he's like, "Man, your work sounds amazing. You just work from home all the time. You know, you can go <laughs> traveling, blah blah, yeah. whenever you like." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's lovely, but then, but then." everybody always thinks it's fantastic. But what I experience is it does sometimes get a little bit lonely when I'm just sitting here in my office by myself. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I That's live with my girlfriend down- and like, yeah. sorry?
1: That's the only downside I have for working remote is you don't yeah. get to be around people. That's the only downside, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so my girlfriend also works remotely. She works for for an American company right now and um, she does her own thing on the side as well. But one of the nice things is they they do try to have sort of, you know, get-togethers with people in the company a couple times a year you know but in the meantime you're still you're spending most of your time at home so you know um and i find that it's just a bit of a different way of living it's it's you have to get you a lot for a lot of people work is an enormous part of their social life because because they spend like yeah, 40 hours a week or more at work you know and so you have to fill that in in other ways um which i actually think is healthy i actually think it's quite healthy to have sort of multiple social networks and not just mainly rely on on work and everything <laughs> um but it's something that, of course, more people have been experiencing, you know, in the past couple of years with the whole pandemic. Um, but but I also know plenty of people who are so happy that they're back in the office now, you know, just because that's that's where everybody is.
1: One of the things I've said in the past is there's like there's a difference between uh, people said the difference between being alone and being lonely, right? Hmm. Um, I I don't feel lonely. I feel very engaged and involved. I'm talking to people. We're having legitimate conversations. This isn't just. This isn't just. You're doing the work. We're, we still talk with people. I talk like talk with Paul. I talk with uh, yeah like development development team. I talk with. We talk with everyone, and so and yeah. Like the encouragement is on. You've got your outside, outside life, and that's more important than work. And so, yeah, the burden does fall onto the individual to make sure that they have those things in place for sure. Yeah. I completely, I completely agree on that. And yeah, why is it that works are because work has had to be our main social thing for so long because we're in the office and that's where we see people. Well, you're working remote. You can take a break, see your friend anytime you want. If you're both working remote, go for lunch. Like there's all this stuff that's now enabled. You've got no commute time. You finish work at five or six or whenever you want. You might some people might go and play games with their, their real life friends? Like, I love, for example, with my friends back in the UK, I hadn't talked to them much at all in probably three years, like just a few back and forth. And I don't know if this is typical with guy friendships, but like, we're still really good friends, even though I haven't. What we started talking weekly because we're playing Xbox, and I was uh, like, How yeah. fun is that? And yeah. even things like that, we're not in person, but I'm still having a good time, and I, I noticed a, a significant increase in like a just an area of my life because i was suddenly talking to um, my friends from the uk it was like an enhancement on my life and i never thought about that it's like oh yeah play xbox so and then and then yeah i'm back in the uk and i'll go and hang out with them and it's like nothing's changed so you do have to make that effort you you touching on that Yes, if you're working remote, do make an effort to replace that social aspect you might have got, and you get to choose who you hang out with. You haven't yeah, just got exactly. To that's a big one. <laughs> like, How amazing is that? And people do misunderstand and <laughs> remote working because you know they think you just kind of it's a doddle when it's like it's still still work. It's not just you're sitting at home doing nothing. You still have to work. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm topic. so
0: glad you brought up the getting to choose who you hang out with because. <laughs> I, because earlier also you mentioned that you guys have a, a weekly check-in or I guess a periodic check-in with the product team and I meant to ask about that but it slipped my mind so I'll ask now but first I need to tell you so a past company that my girlfriend worked for um, they had daily check-in meetings but not just one the team that she uh, she was in had two daily check-in meetings so there was one at like 9.30 I think in the morning and they would talk about what's everybody going to do today but the problem is the, the manager just like took it as like basically for him that was like his soapbox he would just spend that time complaining about stuff yeah. and often I could hear this stuff because she, she was just sitting there and I would like listen in sort of whatever yeah, yeah, this guy yeah. was going on about and there'd be another check-in meeting at like 1 p.m. or, or 1.30. And then in the meantime, often there were other meetings with like smaller sub-teams. And so, mm-hmm. and so one day she was at the morning meeting. She was in a smaller meeting with a sub-team afterwards. And then in the afternoon meeting, <laughs> the guy was like, what have you done this morning? And she was like, I sat in meetings with you.
1: It's <laughs> so, oh so painful.
0: And yep. eventually she she quit that job because one day she was like, listen, can I skip the afternoon meeting? Because like... I need to actually do some stuff, and he was like, "No, sorry, it's very important that you're that you're there." Wow. She was like, I- "I'm done with this, you know, I'm done with this," and it's good because now she works at a much better company, you know, where where people are used to working remote. She's really empowered and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so I just want to make sure that your weekly check-in
1: meetings are not like this, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. No, this is. I hate this. I hate being chased for updates. I, I, mm. I just, I hate that stuff. And I'm, I've actually communicated it with you know, saying, "Is everyone okay with this? Is is once a week too much?" making sure everyone's okay with it because i remember how i used to hate the catch-ups um if i hadn't done work i don't want to have a. if i still had stuff to do i didn't want to have a catch-up about it let me just write you an email um because i used to hate that
0: yeah i also so- yeah i was just going to say I, i've sat in a lot of meetings in my life when when i was working as a consultant in the u.s you know and it, it's not even about the catching up it, it's also about like the size of the meeting i feel like often i feel like people feel important when they get to lead a big meeting and then right. you know, okay. sometimes it was much better sometimes Some managers were not like this at all. I worked in consulting, so it was project-based. So you're constantly working with sort of different managers. Um, And and sometimes, you know, the person in charge would be very good at this. And other times, they would bring eight people into a room. I would say something for three minutes, and the rest of the meeting was not relevant to me. And you sit there for an hour and a half. and, And so at some point... I, I was like, this is a waste of my time. And I just started telling people, okay, by the way, guys, the rest of the meeting is not relevant to me. Like, I'm heading out. And people are often like, wow, you can just do that? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you can, you should do that. It's a waste of your time.
1: Yeah. So this is, um, you'll know more about this than me. Uh, the, the agile method, isn't there like a, a stand up? And isn't that encouraged as part of this? agile working manifesto I think so but ne- ne- I've called. never been at a place where they work that way okay so that's so that's funny you're a productivity guy and you're not even that interested in the agile stuff like that that's interesting to me because like, do you need these daily check-ins is that conductive to productivity it's just it doesn't feel like it is we definitely don't do that our weekly thing is to make sure that if if the, the person starting in support for example um is He's advocating for what's coming up lots. He's making sure that we're going back to people. He's basically ensuring like that his area is good. And then we can say, oh, yeah, we can fit that in this week. And it's like getting that team together so we can all support each other. That's really what that's about. It's not a meeting that just goes on. Like it's meant to, it's, it's like a little, meetings are a grind. Like you know that meetings are going to be a grind. We don't like meetings. So it's going to yeah. be a little bit of a grind, but that's just it once a week. And if we find it's too much and everyone's like, oh, just, this is too much, once every two weeks. We're listening right. to people. It's not just, oh, I've got an ego and it's got to be this way. My way is going to be this way. It's like, no, people can actually, what works for you? The, the, the thing is, like, everyone can do their work in different ways, whatever works for them. If someone didn't want to be on that call, I wouldn't care. Like, freedom is, my, in case you haven't worked this out, freedom is my number one value, not just for myself, but people that work uh, for yeah. us as well. Like, I'm like, obsessed with that. But then they have to get the work done. That's, right. literally, that's literally it. Freedom, if you get the work done. Um, how, how do you yeah.
0: measure whether people are doing their work? Do you, for example, have, you can imagine that you have sort of periodic um, goals, almost like, you know, OKRs or something where you say, listen, for, for the fourth quarter of this year, you know, your job is to do these things. Do you do anything like that? Or is it more a sense of no, whether I, your employees are doing the work?
1: No, so it is a sense. Um, I'm definitely so i talk think about development here i'm not looking to kind of optimize you to the maximum possible output i can get from you i care about are you doing things that is moving the company forward i'm not trying to quantify that like, have you done x tickets versus y tickets or um or what have you are you getting the work done that i'm giving you in a reasonable time i'm a developer i know how long things take so is it being done in yeah. a reasonable time are you happy um and like the other day i asked our developers like, how are you enjoying everything you, it's been a while now you still like, absolutely love it like, so happy every day like, th- those are the measurement points but really i lead with i lead with happiness and fulfillment yeah. i really really do because i think that the best work comes from being in that place if you've got people that employ you that care about you and want you to be happy and to have a good life you generally are going to do good work and like it's not a trick it's what i want in my life i want that freedom i'll do my work but give me the freedom don't try and you know ask me for updates every day and so yeah if there's someone that doesn't work with that if someone needs rigid structure well they're just not going to be a good fit and there's no hard feelings but we have a very specific um philosophy for working at fathom and if you fit into that Like someone's like, oh yeah, cool. I get to look after my kids, you know, two days a week and then I can work in the evening and then I'm still going to get my work done. Everything's good. Like, and you're going to get your work done. Well, you'll fit, you'll fit right in. We just have a very specific. And again, I don't know if this scales. Like I have no idea if it scales. I could be talking to you in four years time saying, Peter, we should never have done none of this. Um, but i like stop it. growing about, your company when you're at 10 people <laughs> yeah i don't i honestly don't know what it's going to look like but right now this is really working for us and i and, you know I, it may change but i feel yeah. good about it we care about people when you care about people it's hard to go wrong like yeah i feel like i don't know if you leave yeah. with good intentions things usually go well um yeah obviously not always but like, it, it's going well let's just say that uh the it's fun to think about man like, we, we talk about this a lot and this has been just ongoing and reviewing things and discussing things and Paul's out of his comfort zone as well paul wrote company of one he you know it's about staying really small right, it's not literally right. about having one person but it is about questioning growth and so we're always questioning growth like his philosophies you know bled off on me and i've got my own philosophies so it has been really interesting but so far it's going really well we're really happy and the people that are working with us are really happy and i don't know like yeah we're not going to try and what's it royal mail and try and like, optimize every little thing sure, and yeah people are just cogs and squeeze out optimization and track your time when you start this and report on how much time you spend on this ticket i would i would leave that job and so i'm not going to do that for people that work with us uh,
0: it's interesting that you mentioned not tracking time because you do not just work at fathom you also have your own podcast and you make and sell courses so i'm actually curious how you divide your time between those things and whether you do do any tracking for this
1: no i don't track any time so uh, if i'm doing a course so it's tricky because my courses also benefit fathom the the highest spending customer at fathom was a cto who came through my course Hm um and so they know who i am so it, it, it's a weird kind of mix of things um i don't know like i can do my course because you know it's like it's equivalent to taking time off i suppose and working on the course my course is tricky though because it's it's not it's not the financial incentives with the course because of course you know courses are a bunch of work you wouldn't just do a course it's because I get emails I literally get so many emails and I want to help people but I can't yeah. so I get to a point where I say I've got to you, you know exactly how this is I've got to make a course to address this because I cannot keep up I've got nowhere to send people I cannot keep up with the demand and the questions and i I enjoy when I've really struggled with something and it's caused me a lot of pain I enjoy being able to help others not go through as much pain and, you know yeah, people can't see this but i'm
0: nodding because i'm like i feel you <laughs> right
1: yeah yeah your course is a great example of it but you know throughout our lives we are benefiting from things other people have done and they've suffered the pain to aid our lives and i just i feel like i have an enormous duty to people to do that and you know, i'm grateful that i have an audience i'm grateful that they promote fathom they do all kinds of things and i feel like i just just give back and I write free blog posts and I do uh, paid courses and yeah and have a community in Slack and that sort of thing. So there's no formal split. I mean, the courses are secondary. I will work on them in a fixed block of time. I don't do regular updates. I'll do updates maybe twice a year. So right. I, I also don't right have as work many. Work on it. Yeah, and I don't have as many. I think you have, how many courses do you have? Right now, about four yeah exactly so and uh, your courses are i think a lot longer than mine your you do video I th- yeah you do video i'm sure you you have better production quality so mine are very nerdy now and i do just, maybe <laughs> i don't know like your yours yours are better than mine in terms of like quality and um i feel like that would be a lot more work mine is just i've got all this knowledge in my head from all the programming stuff i just want to like dump it and that's like how yeah. i approach courses and i just talk i think um production wise there are a lot of people you included who do better but it's not a constant round the clock thing and i don't do any consulting i used to i did some consulting and it's it's great because people now seek to work with me again you probably have the same thing i know this because i'm watching you i'm like i was tempted at some times thinking i've got to email peter should i do this i um can i ask you a question sure do you, I was um, watching something on ADHD yesterday. Your product, you do a lot of productivity stuff. Do you ever cover any ADHD stuff? It's very interesting
0: that you ask this because I, when people buy my course, they get an automated email. Which, by the way. So, some of my students don't realize this is an automated email. I always find this very funny. It tends tends to be a bit older people because I, I do have quite a segment of my students who will email me and be like, "Thanks so much for checking in, Peter. I really appreciate oh, it." That's cool. um, I just retired. Blah, blah blah. There's a lot of people who buy my courses who just retired. It seems like the time to go and get organized. But anyway, um, I like this because I really like hearing from my students. Like, who are you? Tell me a little bit about your background. Just like, what do you do for work? And like, where are you from and stuff? And so some people write a lot more than others. Um, And sometimes people will be like, I have ADHD and I like cannot get organized. I like stuff is all over the place. I cannot focus on anything. And I think sometimes those are the people who benefit the most from writing down everything they need to do and having one system because those are the people who are most likely to get distracted. Um, I never mention anything like this because I don't, I really get quite upset personally when people give medical advice over the internet if they're not qualified Mm. to do it. And I okay. want to. I don't want to go anywhere near anything like that, um, it's just not. because I don't actually know what helps people with ADHD more than others. I, I, I like. I, I have a theory for myself, but you know, if someone tells me, "Listen, I have ADHD. I like. I can't keep track of everything. I'm all over the place. Will this course help me?" I'm like, probably, but like, you know, don't don't think it's gonna solve any medical issues. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, Yeah, and like it's it's a bit different with other things. Like if people are like, "I'm feeling really overwhelmed," "I'm feeling really stressed," could this help with that? I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it might." Um, You still probably go talk to someone if you're feeling feeling really stressed, you know. But like, it might. Um, But with something that's very specific, like ADHD, I really try not to even mention it.
1: Interesting. I um I've been questioning myself and whether I have ADHD since we had a psychologist on our podcast. She says that in entrepreneurs, it's more common to see ADHD. And I, I've been thinking it through and um, yeah, it, it just, it fascinates me. And then because you do productivity, I was thinking about that. But if you say, yeah, no medical um, advice, that does make sense. A lot of people talk out of terms. I know exactly what you mean and you have got to be careful. Um, no, yeah. no, I was just curious. I was just curious.
0: No, that's great. I, I do see a lot of people online that market courses, you know, that will supposedly help you with all of these issues. And I'm like, You know, this feels like it should be illegal, to be honest. It would be very (laughs) difficult to enforce, but sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, you're just taking advantage of vulnerable people. You're taking advantage Mm -hmm. of people who are desperate to to solve some of their problems. They will will pay you lots of money because they are so desperate to solve some of the things that are really painful in their lives, and they should really be going to professionals. (laughs) That's, That's the way that I feel about it.
1: I uh, I have periods of hyper-focus where I can get tons of work done. That's why I'm Mm. so fascinated about this topic at the moment. Because I I spoke to some people and the way they describe ADHD is they'll have an email in their inbox or have a few emails and they can't even respond to a basic email. And that makes me think, oh yeah, I don't have ADHD. Yeah. I can can just sometimes just focus on things for hours and hours and I'll just be in the zone. And other times it's just, it's such a grind to even move the needle ever so slightly. Yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah.
0: I also personally think that a lot of people struggle with a lot of problems. It's, it's, it's a, a matter of degree. A lot of the time, it's not like you know, there's no. like a sort of a normal person who can focus whenever they want and never gets distracted by anything. You know, like, yep. it's like no, a spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, no such person exists, and the question is is what do you do with it? You know, we all have our challenges. Actually, earlier you you mentioned that you st- used to struggle with with perfectionism and analysis paralysis. You know, and so mm. that's also yeah, exactly. something where yeah. I think everybody has that. Sometimes the question is how much.
1: I think that's that's the the thing where I have always come back to is you shouldn't self diagnose. 'Cause yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I do I that's and that's the biggest challenge I have in coding. And I tell you one of the things as Fathom's grown. So Fathom has the best infrastructure in the industry. I'm not just that's not just a marketing like <laughs> nonsense, that's true. I am obsessed with uptime. We have like, mm. high availability, multi like we actually keep your stats online. Other people just Google can do it, sure, they're a multi trillion dollar yeah, company. Yeah, right, but right, I right. mean in terms of the, the normal sized companies, yeah, no one's beating us. Um but with all this traffic coming in, you have responsibility and you do get to this moment of i've got to be careful with every move i take and i think yeah it's every move i every move i make there is a chance to break something but it's not just break something small it's on a substantial scale right and so you almost need to have safeguards in place and so you need to have that analysis but you can't go into analysis paralysis because you still need to move forward and so with a startup there's this move fast and break things idea which is a bit yeah it's kind of works and i need to keep things stable because thousands of people hundreds of thousands of sites rely on us for their analytics and so that can be quite paralyzing being completely honest with you like as i go from adhd to oh wait it probably isn't adhd it's probably just that um that is the struggle we that i have at the moment is just the the sheer scale of it but well how how are you dealing with this yeah so we I've realised, and it's kind of reluctance because it's so 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 painfully boring. But we have to put safeguards in place, Um, you know, additional environments, um, excessive to the extreme testing, automatic Mm. testing. Yeah, we already have have automatic testing for ages, but extra testing. I don't know. Like it's just. I think it's just there needs to be a level of comfort when deploying that level of things we have the, we have ingest which is our collector then we have our dashboard dashboard i'll deploy anything because dashboard is just da- if the dashboard breaks temporarily no problem at all that's it's fine that ingest but the, the data need to...
0: intake needs to be correct yeah
1: yeah yeah so it's really i think guess just adding safeguards and now we're talking about analysis paralysis thank you for bringing that up, by the way that is actually helpful because i do forget about these things um i always like tim ferris's thing of you writing out what could go wrong and I remember mm. I was I was migrating billions of rows. I think it was, bill- yeah, it was billions of rows. And I'm thinking, this could go wrong. And I remember writing out everything. I'm, I'm pretty experienced. Writing out everything that could go wrong. And then suddenly yeah. I felt free. And like I could just move forward. And uh, yeah, you're right. Analysis paralysis is, um, is something that would keep you back. You need to just take action and force it somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know, I often hear about it in sort of the space of content creation because i know a lot of content creators now and people are terrified of like putting something out there that's not good enough or they'll get they'll get laughed at or there's some very basic thing that they screwed up you know i, I get people that, that watch my youtube videos and they're like wow it looks really fun to be on youtube i'd love to do that but i could never do it because i'd be terrified of what people said if i made a mistake you know i like i hear this all the time yeah um and i think it's quite similar because the same thing for you is like you're you're wanting to make a change but you're really worried that it's going to break something it's going to look bad right in the end in the end we're worried about it looking bad um i I, guess guess for you it could also have financial implications um if if you you know if your uptime starts to go down
1: yeah i guess i guess so yeah um content's funny one i mean i i used to be i used to be unable to write content and i the first piece i wrote paul edited it and i was so surprised that he wasn't like criticizing it. Because Paul's written for years, right? He had that big newsletter, blah, blah, blah. He's done it before and he edited it and I'm like, Oh wow, this is actually ready to go. And it went viral. My first blog post went viral and I couldn't believe it. And now I embrace like I kinda of like untouchable and I'm sure you've got to the place to in YouTube videos. There's nothing people can say about me that will affect me. If it's someone I care about saying it, that's a different story. Random people on the internet, you get a, you have to get abuse. It once you get to a certain size you yeah, you can't will. avoid it you need to embrace it because it means that that small percentage of negative stuff you're going to get has gone up because you've increased the good side of things so I embrace abuse um, not like death re- I'm not saying people should get death threats <laughs> but for me like you can't I don't care I'm like feel untouchable <laughs> with comments. Right. And stuff.
0: Yeah, that does come with success I think a little bit, right? <laughs> I I, th- I think if you are in a very early stage of something and 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 you hit some mean things, I think it'd be tricky, but once you're Agreed. once you've proven to yourself that you can do the thing, I think it's much easier to deal with.
1: Yeah, no you're right, 100%. Yeah, you've got that proof that you can do it for sure. Yeah.
0: All right, well, it's been really fun chatting. Um a lot to learn I think for people from running a a small company and and focusing on the people side of things, the lifestyle business. I I hope that really resonated with people. Um, I really appreciate that you came on. What are some of the things that you'd like people to check out um, before we go, whether that's your personal website, any products?
1: Yeah, sure. So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Jack Ellis. And check out usefathom.com for privacy-first analytics that don't send data to big tech.
0: There we go. We do not like big tech. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, Jack, for coming on.
1: Thanks, man.